0: Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Podcast. We're back with another episode of The Chessboard, a podcast that takes a look at the fascinating world of Indian politics. Summer is starting to get hotter and we're right in the middle of general elections 2019. As parties continue to reassess their strategies and tweak their tactics, we have with us Business Standard's political editor, Arches Mohan, in the studio.
1: Thank you, Ankur.
0: So, Arches, nearly all of South and West of India has voted. Nearly all of even east of India has voted, with only West Bengal left. With mostly North Indian and Hindi-speaking states going to vote in the coming three phases, how do you think we are placed in these elections so far?
1: 373 seats have already voted, and much of the election is over. Uh, Elections are over in Maharashtra and Odisha. Elections are ongoing in Uttar Pradesh and Bihar, in Bengal as well. As for voter turnout, it seems there's there are regional variations. While the voter turnout has been uh, better than before in in the eight seats of Bengal that went to polls yesterday, uh, as well as in Rajasthan, it hasn't been as good in some other areas. So I I really don't know whether an increase in voter turnout by uh, some fractions or, or one or two percentage points Indicates anything. Does it indicate that people are more conscious and coming out to vote? Does it indicate that people are voting for change? Does it indicate that people are voting to keep the incumbent in power? Whether they're voting for local issues or for national issues, you know, these are very difficult uh, 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 Surmises to make one needs granular data one needs extensive data to come to a conclusion uh, on any of these issues.
0: As you pointed out that nearly 370-odd seats have already voted. With less than 200 seats left, um, we are now mov- moving to territory which was completely dominated by the BJP in 2014. Uh, as we enter these phases, do you think the BJP has hit its stride? Has it regained its mojo, you think?
1: So even the, the, the seats that went to polls yesterday, 71 seats, of which BJP had and its allies had won as many as 56. Uh, And we are going into polls in states like Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh, where BJP had totally swept these states. They had won 25 out of 25 in Rajasthan in 2014. They had won 27 out of 29 in Madhya Pradesh. UP, as you know, is ongoing and BJP, along with, with Apna Dal, had won 73 of those 80 seats. Even in Bihar, which is again ongoing, BJP and it's then allies had won 31 out of 40. Yes, this is a critical phase for BJP. This was the y- yesterday's phase, and the subsequent three phases will be equally critical for the BJP. It would, in my assessment, uh, decide whether BJP forms a government at 220 odd seats, or, or if not more, or, or stops short below 200 seats. Uh, the interesting bit from the uh, media reports as well as feedback from the ground, it seems that uh, the earlier anticipated or assessed uh, fallout or impact of Pulwama uh, terror attack and Balakot court terror strike may not have run its course. Uh, it seems people are still talking about these issues. Nationalism remains a big, big issue. and, and people not just in urban areas, there are reportage from the ground from rural areas that people are uh, voicing their support for Prime Minister Narendra Modi and his leadership on the question of Pulwama and Balakot and Congress's um, Congress's entire campaign narrative of Niai and the failures of the Modi government has probably not struck a chord. Now one can argue that the Congress, which won uh, Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh and Chhattisgarh in December, and it won primarily on the back of the failures of the three state governments, the BJP state governments, uh, primarily because of farm distress and other issues, probably committed a mistake in pitchforking the Gandhis at the forefront. Both Congress President Rahul Gandhi and Congress General Secretary Priyanka Gandhi It can be argued that probably the Congress uh, made it into a leadership battle between the Gandhi's and Prime Minister Modi when it should have focused or continued to focus on key issues like farm distress, uh, the the fallout of uh, demonetization, its impact on MSME sector and other issues that have hurt common people. But again, you know, it, it's very difficult to reach any conclusion.
0: One of the things that we constantly hear from people in these elections is that it's Narendra Modi versus candidates of other parties in every single seat. Uh, at some places we even heard that even though the BJP candidate may be not as, as strong as, as one would have hoped for, it is Narendra Modi's personal popularity which is pulling BJP members up and may even uh, bring them to Parliament.
1: Uh, how, how true do you think that is? If you talk to BJP leadership, local candidates, they, they are have, they have, very clear that they are fighting this election on the basis of Prime Minister Narendra Modi's leadership, particularly the nationalism discourse. Uh, but if you would lo- talk to Congress and other opposition parties, they would tell you that uh, while Prime Minister Narendra Modi and BJP's support base is very vocal, and uh, journalists and surveyors tend to meet those kind of people. The the people who are voting against uh, the the government and Prime Minister Modi are, are are the large silent majority. And as Mr. Praveen Chakravarti, who who heads the data and analytics department of the Congress, has argued that on May 23, when the counting happens, a whole lot of us would be in for a surprise. And the large majority would have spoken and this would probably be a repeat of India shining now I really don't know uh, whether uh, The BJP supporters should be trusted or the Congress supporters should be trusted on this Uh, But it does seem that in urban areas Prime Minister Modi is extremely popular Uh, the nationalism discourse uh, gets a hearing uh, people talk about it. People talk about his leadership. People do not see uh, credible le- leadership in the opposition, particularly in the Congress. And I'm talking of North India. In southern India, as most of uh, opinion polls surveys have shown, uh, Congress President Rahul Gandhi leads Prime Minister Modi in terms of popularity l- l- ratings. So, uh, but but the, co- the BJP's uh, seats in 2004 had come from North Indian states. They had maximized their seats from states like Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh, Uttar Pradesh, Bihar, and that's where the battle right now is. And and the subsequent three phases would probably te- be able to tell us whether Prime Minister Narendra Modi will come back with a significant majority or whether the BJP falls short of numbers and has to rely on its NDA partners. Now, interestingly, when Prime Minister Modi uh, filed his nominations in Varanasi, he took along with him nearly all the NDA leaders. Now, this was Prime Minister Modi and BJP President Amit Shah's outreach to their NDA partners. A whole lot of these NDA partners have, in the last five years, complained of being ignored. Uh, that their interests were not taken on board, that they weren't given a good hearing, particularly when they had supported uh, Prime Minister Modi uh, in his bid to uh, for elections in, in, in 2014. Uh, so there are mixed signals. One cannot say for sure. So
0: would you say that uh, in these last three phases, as we go to the last three phases, that uh, the BJP has managed to recapture the narrative?
1: Honestly, Ankur, if you take UP for example, the BJP narrative is quite weak. The narrative in Uttar Pradesh is on caste lines, and people are not talking about Prime Minister Modi as much as they are talking about him in r- rest of North India. In Uttar Pradesh, uh, people are talking about Mr. Yugi, uh, Yugi Adityanath's uh, performance as the Chief Minister of the state. And uh, most, most uh, media reports and even my experience from the ground suggests that the Dalits, particularly the Jatavs, the Yadavs have come together along with the M- Muslims to vote against the uh, BJP government in the state. It's not so much a central election uh, in Uttar Pradesh, but an election which has dynamics specific to UP as a state. However, in Bihar, it seems the alliance is doing well. The BGP Alliance is doing well, uh, which which uh, includes people like Ram Vilas Paswan and uh, Mr. Nitish Kumar there. It would seem that Prime Minister Narendra Modi is still popular as Is Mr. Nitish Kumar uh, because of his the, the good governance that people think that he has provided? Similarly, Rajasthan there have been reports how the current Congress government has improved Narega payments. And that could have a bearing in rural areas because the last few years of the Raja government, the Narega payments, Narega work was abysmal. However, in urban areas, the BJP remains popular. Uh, so the, the picture is quite varied. Would you say then that, uh, or would you, would it be too far-fetched to say
0: that the BJP losing the states of Chhattisgarh, MP, in Rajasthan, and, and and not doing that great in Gujarat in the assembly elections in 17 was a kind of a blessing in disguise for the Modi government.
1: Honestly, Ankur, we would know that only on 23rd May, because my confusion right now is whether the nationalism narrative is the primary narrative or not. Is it is it the predominant narrative? Or as Mr. Chakravarti of the Congress says, the, 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 the the people who are voting against the bjp are remaining silent and not letting their uh, choice of their votes known to uh, journalists and surveyors so i i, I wouldn't w- want to risk uh, a conclusion on this right now uh, all all I'm, I'm i'm saying is that whether uh, are we failing to detect an anti incumbency or is there at all an anti incumbency are people voting against the government? Or is there a strong undercurrent for Mr. Modi? Or, or exactly. exactly. So, so I, I really don't want to stick my neck out on this at the current juncture. I really don't think I have uh, you know, that kind of access to number of people that one can physically speak to uh, in any election season as an individual. Uh, one needs a bigger, larger data, and only survey agencies can tell us that.
0: Well, that's fair enough, Arches. Um, As as we said earlier, Bengal is the only state in the east of east of the country which is yet to vote and which is which has been voting in the earlier phases as well. But uh, Bengal sends forty-two members of parliament to the Lok Sabha. Um, The Trinamool Congress won thirty-four out of these forty-two seats in twenty fourteen. The Congress won four, the CPM won two, and the BJP also managed to win two seats. In the last five years, we've seen the most intense battle on the ground between the BJP and the Trinamool Congress in West Bengal. It has often been really violent. Uh, what do you think is up in Bengal, Arches?
1: You know, Ankur, uh, the Bengalis have this image, at least in rest of India, of being a non-martial race. Now, this is a carefully cultivated image that the British has built for Bengalis after the 1857 revolt. It was the Bengal contingent which had revolted Initially, and then then it had spread. Uh, so look 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 the entire political violence culture in Bengal in that context. Bengal is probably by far the most politically violent state in the last seventy years of independent India, and even before that, starting from the Indigo Movement of the eighteen fifties, uh, and then in nineteen forty seven there was a Tebhaga Movement, and even during the freedom struggle. Mahatma Gandhi's influence in Bengal was very minimal. Uh, Bengal was the center of much of the violent militant movement against the Britishers. You know, you had leaders like Aurobindo, Shurjo Sen, Kudiram Bose, and eventually even Chandra Bose, who who espoused violence to earn freedom, to, to attain freedom. And even in 1947, there was this Tebhaga movement where sh- sharecroppers revolted and 20 years later, in 1967, you had Naxalbari. So, there's been this long tradition of political violence in Bengal, uh, which eventually culminated in 1977 with the start of the left rule. And with the left rule, uh, the, 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 the w- something interesting happened with what is called Operation Barga or land reforms. Now, land reforms and then implementation of Panchayati Raj uh, devolved much of what the state distributes to the panchayats. So, the panchayats in an economy which wasn't growing, uh, where industries had shut down, panchayats became the be all and end all of rural life. So, basically, you're saying patronage moved to the panchayat level. Yes, patronage moved to the panchayat level and it became very important for political parties to have control of the panchayats. So as long as the left could control panchayats, it continued to win for 34 long years. But in 2011, uh, a little before that, Triramul put up a good fight and, and captured a whole lot of panchayats. And in 2011, it famously defeated the, 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 the left front. And before that, uh, the, the, the left front lost its influence on, on rural areas because of the nandigram and singur movements which mamta banerjee the trinamool chief had led so bengal has had this long history of political violence and even the ncrb data shows that bengal is the most politically violent state 25% of all political murders are reported from bengal
0: but I, just, I have two two different points here. So one is um, political violence earlier used to be ideological, and this time perhaps we are seeing uh, communal polarization in these elections. And second, um, uh, violence in Bengal Bengali politics was not determined by by caste politics. So uh, w- what explains this factor of absence of caste politics in Bengal, and why do you think uh, uh, this polarization has started happening in, in Bengali politics,
1: which has probably led to this violence? Angkor, I would trace this back to the early 19th century from 1820s onwards, the the period of Bengali Renaissance. Bengali Renaissance ensured to an extent that caste uh, in its rude and crude reality, as it was practiced in Bihar, UP and rest of India, somehow uh, didn't find that kind of resonance in Bengali politics a whole lot of people from lower castes could come up there was also this influence in later years of of the left ideology which also ensured that people from lower castes uh, could come up could occupy positions could get government service so that the, the kind of discrimination that one saw in rest of india against let's say dalits against uh, obcs was not as prevalent in bengal I'm not trying to say that there is no caste system in Bengal. Obviously, there is, but I'm just suggesting that it's not as extreme as it's in several other states in India. Eventually, the left rule and Operation Barga, which led to land reforms, where where sharecroppers could get land and also became loyal to a certain political ideology, also weakened some of the caste structures. So, yes, Bengal, in that context, is not as casteist as it's as as res, rest of the country is.
0: And what explains uh, the sudden communalization of politics?
1: Uh, I would think th- 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 there has always been this subtext of communal polarization, at least since 1905. And we saw Bengal had some of the worst riots. And some people think that the riots and communal riots in Bengal were worse than what Punjab experienced. However, again, first the Congress governments and then the left front governments tried to keep religion away from state politics, from their politics. Uh, for example, uh, and there's research available, a whole lot of minorities could get into mainstream. The madrasa education was integrated with other mainstream education during the left front rule. And uh, a whole lot of these seeds were sown by the first chief minister of the Congress, Vidhan Chandra Roy, and the left front not just continued it, but consolidated it. Uh, and the left tried to keep itself away from communal politics, whatever its other faults may have been. Uh, for example, in Calcutta, if, if the Tajia procession and uh, uh, immersion of Durga idols clashed, the left government would ensure that the Tajia procession would be taken out on one road and and uh, the idols would go to the river on another road. However, some of these were probably disrupted by the Trinamul government in its in its uh, eagerness to placate uh, some of the minorities who had been left front supporters all along. And I think in this uh, this Gulf, uh, the BJP found a fertile ground for for uh, Hindus to start reasserting themselves. Uh, it, it could make an argument that the Trinamul government was appeasing the minorities. I'm not getting into the merits of whether it was or it wasn't, but th- the BJP could strike a chord in the common Hindu Bengali that, that the Trinamul was not being as fair to Hindus as it was to Muslims. So we, that's where we stand. And communal polarization has become a reality. Uh, there's violence attached to it. So so let's see, we are at a, bit, at a very interesting cusp in politics of Bengal and not just Bengal, also of Assam. And let's see how it pans out.
0: That is a fascinating insight. i just with that, we come to the end of this episode. Hope you enjoyed our discussion. Keep tuning in to The Chessboard every week for the latest on Indian politics and to Business Standard for the latest in the world of business, economy, politics and markets. This is your host Ankur signing off for this week.